So those of you that were coming here expecting to see Gina, I'm sorry. She's, uh, she called me late in the day yesterday. She's stuck up in Westchester. Sends her greetings and love. But I'm happy to replace her. I'm John Aaron, one of the other teachers here. The great thing about New York Insight is that we have this incredible structure and support of many teachers um, that sort of have each other covered, which is nice to know. Um, just, uh, I thought it would be useful, um, a little experiment. I don't know if we have an even number of people here or not. It doesn't matter. If, I, if I'm the odd person, one person can pair up with me. Just find somebody in the room that you don't know. Uh, find two things that you have in common. Uh, and it, one of them ca- cannot be that you're here this morning. Um, or that you both meditate. That's too easy, okay? But it could be that you both have blonde hair, or you both are bald, or whatever. Um, so two things you have in common, and it's always interesting what people find. Like, uh, I did this once, and people realized they lived on the same block. You know, So it does happen. So just take that. And then one, one thing you would like to share about yourself with the other person, you know, something interesting about yourself or something that you just feel like you want to share this morning, okay? The next step would be that you'd introduce the other person, but we don't have time to do that, so to the group, rather. So just as a, a get-to-know-you exercise, if you just pair up with somebody you don't know, uh, and if, there's an odd, if, if we have an odd number of people, then I'll be the second person. We'll do this for all of five minutes at most. Is there anybody that doesn't have a pair? Who doesn't have a pair? Okay, what about... You know each other? Anybody out there? Somebody compare with me. Thanks, Kate. So anybody learn anything interesting? Any surprises? Any surprises? No surprises. Yeah? What? All right. That's great. That's cool. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. So I'd like to welcome back. Uh, there are three people here who just came back from a three-month retreat. <laughs> Kate, who I was paired up with, and Dan next to her, and Nakaway, right? So welcome back to the world, <laughs> to this world, whatever that means. Um, nice to have you back, although a bit of jealousy. Uh, or... Mudita, <laughs> sympathetic joy. Um, 
So just a few announcements. Uh, Sunday, there's a day of silence with Sandra Weinberg. And then the next thing is the New Year's Eve sit, I think, right? So those of you that haven't been here on New Year's Eve, get your tickets now. It's really quite, I haven't been here for a while, but I'll be uh, taking part in it. Uh, And it's quite full. It's really a wonderful event. It starts at 10 o'clock, I think, right? But we open at 9? 9.15. Okay, so you can get here as early as 9.15. There's no, it's a Tuesday night. There's no Tuesday night sit. It's followed, but but we'll have this instead. And we'll be out of here around 12.30 or 1, I guess. Or however, yeah. It, is it? But it's a. Is it a? It's a. It's twenty dollars. Okay, and it sells out. So get your tickets. I was right. Get your tickets now. Yeah, Lanny. There's a there's a Saturday potluck on the twentieth. Ah, okay. Thank you. Friday or Saturday? Friday. Okay. Saturday. That was because of yesterday. You were messed up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Friday there's a potluck. Sunday there's a day long, and New Year's Eve there's a New Year's Eve sit. And get your registrations in now. Um, so, those of you that arrived late, I started this afternoon, this morning, uh, just talking about um, the conditions required to uh, achieve unworldly vedana, unworldly feelings as opposed to worldly feelings, which are conditional, right? So we have the conditional worldly feeling, the conditional feelings, we have the unconditional feelings. We have conditional, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. We have unconditioned, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. But we also need to have conditions to achieve the unconditioned. Yeah? So those of you that just came back from a three-month retreat, right, you're sort of working with the unconditional, but you're in conditions that provide that for you, such as we have here. Um, And believe it or not, it actually costs money to have this. (laughs) The conditions required to have this condition are financial. Um, Unfortunately, unless there's anybody here that happens to have this much space available in Midtown, we have to pay rent. So, uh, and we also have, you know, two phenomenal staff people who are both here today, uh, our executive director and our associate director, Sab and Dalila. Um, those, are, those are the conditions that New York Insight needs and provides for those of us who come and practice here. And the teachers themselves are all coming uh, with no conditions, basically, um, other than that we love to teach, we love to be here. Um, so this place survives on your condition of generosity, your practice of generosity. So as we get to the end of the year, most of you have probably received a mailing or an emailing or at least one. Um, and I really encourage you to take it as an opportunity to practice generosity so that we can maintain these conditions for you to come and practice toward the unconditional. So, um, yeah, and I want to thank the volunteers that are here this morning. Thank you, guys. Um, And then I 
as I said, I mean, Gina called me late in the day yesterday, so I have some things I, I'm happy to talk about and will talk about. But before that, if there are any... So I always like to find out what's in the room. So if there are any questions you have about practice this morning or practice in general, things that have come up for you um, that you'd like to bring forth, this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah. What's your name again? I'm Ilana. Ilana, hi. hi. Um, can you use, do you mind using the mic? Thanks. Don't, don't be afraid of hi. it, really. Oh, but I don't... Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Okay. Um, can you define unworldly condition? Mm. Can I define un- <coughs> unworldly conditions? So, um, in, in the uh, Satipatthana Sutta, among other places, uh, when we're talking about feeling tone, Vedana, when, it's, when the Buddha talks about feeling tone, he talks about unworldly feeling tones and worldly feeling tones. So I interpret that, and I think it's generally interpreted, that worldly feeling tones are those which are dependent on conditions. So the example I like to use that worked really well this morning as I was coming down here is that I, take, I come down from Harlem so I take the three train, and then I transfer to the local to get to 27th Street. I have this great, pleasant feeling when the three train arrives just as the one train is pulling up. Yeah, because it's just like perfect. All the conditions are set for me to arrive on time. I don't have to worry about being late and having these unpleasant experiences. Um, if the three train arrives, and then there's the sign that says the one train arrives in 20 minutes... You know, then it's going to be unpleasant, particularly when I'm going home, because at least from 34th Street I can walk down But here. But if I'm going home, it's a different matter. So that's a worldly feeling, right? It depends on certain conditions. Unworldly feelings really require no conditions. They're not dependent on conditions to feel pleasant. So as we sit in meditation, those moments where freedom is experienced, those moments where uh, nothing is required, uh, where there's, uh, you know, where we're not caught up in thought, where we're not suffering, those incremental moments that we experience, that's a pleasant, unworldly experience. At the same time, if you're sitting in meditation, and you're just wrapped up in obsessive thinking, and you're worried, and all of the hindrances are in full force, that's an unworldly, unpleasant experience. And we can recognize it as such. We can say, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm here, I'm present, I'm with everything that's happening, but it's causing a great deal of unpleasant vedana. Okay? That's what's happening. Um, it's not dependent on other things other than, you know, just these, you know, we're just sitting here, right? And yet the mind is like, right? So um, that's unpleasant. Um, and it's unworldly because we're, we're it, 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 I think it, he talks about it in the sense of, of the unworldly being, you know, those um, feeling tones that are experienced as we're on a path 
a spiritual path. Yeah? Versus, you know, the relative unpleasant and pleasant that we experience moment to moment throughout the day. And, and they're both essential to, you know, to be present with, right? And we can see how the unpleasant worldly experience causes our suffering. And in that moment, we can actually have a pleasant unworldly experience. The moment we see that, yeah, and the moment we see that we're caught, something shifts. Good question. I ask it all the time to myself. Yeah. Any other any other questions, comments, reflections? Hmm. So what I've The funeral of Nelson Mandela was yesterday, as you know. So I thought it would be useful to talk about forgiveness. And maybe even uh, at the end of this, I'll guide us, as a closing practice, I'll guide us in a forgiveness meditation. So Nelson Mandela said, if you want to make peace with your enemy, you have to work with your enemy. Then he becomes your partner. And that's the wor- those are the words of a bodhisattva. Those are the words of somebody who's really um, at peace with himself and with the world, in a sense. Um, And it's obviously how he achieved what he achieved. So, it's one thing to sort of see that in, the, in w- terms of what Nelson Mandela achieved. <clears throat> it's quite another thing to bring that into our own lives and, and see how often we don't make friends with our enemies, even when the enemy is ourselves. Um, and until we actually make friends with that enemy, especially the one in ourselves, it's really impossible to find any sort of freedom. You know, we can we can sit all we want. We can go on three month retreats, six months retreats, year long retreats. But if we're still fighting with ourselves, how can we possibly find freedom? Mandela also said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. So, you know, wonderful. It's a, it's, that's the same thing as the Buddhist you know, comment about picking up the hot coal and throwing at your enemy. Yeah. Um, how often do we do that in our own lives, right? How often do we drink poison and think it will kill the thing within us that we like the least? Yeah. Um, I mean, we do that. You know, of course, modern psychology and psychotherapists, far more psychotherapists, will will give us a medication that will help quiet that part of ourselves that we don't like. 
And that can be really helpful as part of something bigger. But if every time, you know, we've come up against that part of ourselves that we don't like, we escape in some way, either through drugs or alcohol or prescription, then we're really not finding freedom and full contentment. We may be temporarily finding freedom uh, or artificially finding freedom, but we're not really finding freedom. And it's possible, of course, that that resentment that is residing within us is not only resentment about something that you know is internal, it's something that we did, but it's resentment about towards someone else who did something to us, whether it was yesterday or 20 years ago. Um, that resentment, if it's held, will continually hold us back from any sort of freedom. So this practice of forgiveness, which is really a practice of generosity, right? it's not called forgiveness for nothing. It's a practice of generosity toward ourselves and toward the other. It's opening up to all the possibilities. Yeah. So when they had these, um, the reconciliation trials in South Africa, truth and reconciliation trials, they were opening up to all the pain and the, 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 those, those people who caused the pain and those people to whom the pain was caused were facing each other and opening up to each other and being fearless with each other. Um, and this wasn't about I mean, justice was served, but justice with forgiveness are two different things. That's something else altogether, right? If you just have justice served but there's no forgiveness, you're still stuck. There's a wonderful, uh, not sure where this came from, but it's a conversation between two former concentration camp inmates who... who, uh, years later, saw each other. And one, one of them says, have you forgiven the Nazis? And his friend says, yes. And the other one says, well, I haven't. I'm still consumed with hatred for them. To which the friend said, in that case, they still have you in prison. Right? So 40, 50 years later, if the hatred is still there for the people that imprisoned you, then you're still in prison. So... Truth and reconciliation in combination with justice and forgiveness in combination with justice really provides freedom from that resentment. And we always fall into the mindset that, not we always fall, but often people fall into the mindset that you're forgiving the action, but really what you're doing is forgiving the person, not the actions. So you're taking everything into account. We don't know the causes and conditions which led a person to act a certain way. Or we may know the, the initial, the, the obvious causes and conditions, but there's so much before that 
that brings a person to behave a certain way and brings us to behave certain ways, right? We can all see ways that we behave that are brought about by certain causes and conditions, some of which are obvious, many of which are not obvious at all. And once you open to that possibility, there's a shift. You know, it allows you to sort of see things in a very different way. It really opens your heart. I quickly run through my files this morning looking at everything I've written and wrote and talked about in the past about forgiveness. So it'll take me a second to sort of sort through this. So what we're doing when we're when we're forgiving is we're giving up, but not in the negative sense. Right? We're letting go of whatever judgment we might have. We're letting go of the need to be right. We're letting go of the need to punish. And, you know, we're opening the heart to sort of heal the wound that might have been caused. And there's this, there's, you know, if you look at, say, most American politicians, they would see forgiveness as a sign of weakness. Most American politicians. When in fact, forgiveness is really a sign of strength, and Nelson Mandela is the first place to look when you see that. It's a powerful action. That really opens our heart to the fallibilities that we all have. And it's those fallibilities when we open the heart to all of our fallibilities and <clears throat> the notion that I have, I'm fallible and you're fallible, that brings us together. <clears throat> or, better yet, it actually um, clears the obstruction between self and other. There was, I don't know if any of you saw the video uh, that was, uh, the film that was done by uh, the German film director whose name I'm, Werner Herzog, on texting and driving. Anybody see that? It was a public service video that was done earlier this year. It's 30 minutes. You can see it on YouTube. It's very, very powerful. He interviews four people, uh, or he goes into four, four incidents around texting and driving. Um, and, and one of them was a young man who uh, it was in Pennsylvania, I think, and he was driving down the road um, and he was sending a text to his fiancée. The text was, I love you, or something of that nature. <clears throat> 
As he was doing that, however, he ran into an Amish uh, carriage with a young family. Everybody was killed on the carriage. Um, And so they're interviewing this this guy, this young man, you know, and it was totally, you know, he just, the text was completely unnecessary. And um, at Christmas time, he received a card from the father of the family asking if he was okay. Yeah? So, you know, that's forgiveness. That's that recognition that there's no separation between self and other, really. That we're all fallible. And when we open to that, you know, when we see the commonality that binds us all, we can face our enemies with a completely open heart. We can become partners with our enemies, whether that enemy is within us or with another person. And at that moment, things change. Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes, if only it were so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line in dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? The line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart or her own heart. Yeah? That's a powerful statement, right? I mean, we can't separate good and evil. It's in all of us. So can we forgive ourselves for whatever evil we have? And I use that word gently, evil. Whatever unskillful actions we've caused toward ourselves or toward others. And can we do the same with others? Can we forgive others for the unskillful actions they've committed toward us or others? Recognizing all that went into that. Yeah? So we've all probably heard that comment by the Dalai Lama talking about, my friend's the enemy. Yeah? That's what we're talking about. Can we make friends with the enemy? It's a really challenging practice, forgiveness. But it's also really the core practice of loving kindness, right? Because if we're holding a resentment, how can we possibly have loving kindness toward ourselves in particular? We can get so far, but the resentment just pulls us back.
So Desmond Tutu, who was in charge of these commissions, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, says that in the end, only honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing. Superficial reconciliation can bring only superficial healing. So that honest confrontation with reality, right? It's one thing simply to say, oh yeah, you know, I forgive you, <laughs> right? It's another thing to really look at it and, and, and put it there and see it face to face, see the person face to face, whether it's internal or external, um, and to not hide. So I'll guide us in a, in a forgiveness meditation, but before I do, I'm just, you know, because this was a last-minute uh, decision to talk about, I'm just curious to know what comes up for you when you think about forgiveness, when you, when you try to practice forgiveness. What are the obstacles that you find? Yeah. What's your name? Susan. Thank you. Um, one of the things that comes up for me, um, because this is timely for me, because there are some people who live in my building, my apartment building, that have been really dangerous to me, I feel. Not, not physically dangerous, but very malicious intentions on the board. And I think they're going to run for the board again. And um, it's my home, you know. And I don't feel safe with their agenda. And so... My question about this topic, which goes beyond my co-op board, is, is the issue of safety and forgiveness, because many times we don't feel safe, and that's part of why we don't forgive, because it helps us remember that the person has been in some way dangerous to us, sure. or we believe they sure. were. Yeah. Um, so I just would like to hear right. some comment about the, the safety issues mm. with regard to f- forgiveness. It's a hard question. I've yeah, thought about well, it a lot. I mean, I don't see the two as mutually exclusive, right? It's the same thing. In other words, this giving, giving up is not rolling over and playing dead at all. Um, what you're giving up is your resentment. It's a renunciation practice. So you're renouncing the resentment that you have for these people or whoever, Right? At the same, you know, and through that renunciation of the resentment, you actually have more strength, right? Because you're not, um, uh, if you're fully present with someone, if you're fearlessly present with someone who you see as the enemy, in this case, the co op, members of the co op board. Right, um, you're accepting them from where they are. You're accepting whatever the the causes and conditions that brought them to that place are, while at the same time uh, putting forth, you know, what your concerns are. Right. So you don't have to roll over. 
It's just that the resentment, in other words, if you go at this with anger and resentment, what's going to happen? You know, you're not going to accomplish anything. The same way as if, you know, if you are dealing with um, someone who's physically threatening you. Um, you can be strong and you can have anger. Um, but if the resentment is what's driving it, you're likely to cause more damage to yourself, I think. Yeah, so it's simply, to me, it's a matter of recognizing what's really going on, right? Recognizing if the resentment that you're holding is getting in the way of what you're trying to accomplish, right? What happens if you join the enemy, as, as Mandela did in this case? So the enemy, in your case, is the members of the co-op board. What happens if you make peace with them, you know, whatever that requires? What's to fear in this case? So what is the fear? You're asking me specifically? Well, I don't really understand what it means yet in this case. um, Because I'm I'm thinking of one particular person, Mm -hmm. but he's a very, very manipulative person. And so I don't really know what it means to sincerely be open to that person because I have in the past, you know, and I know what he does with that. Right. Yeah, so I don't really understand it as relates to this, to yeah. be honest. I mean, I'm, yeah. you asked for questions. Yeah, no, 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 it's one. fine. It's, it's a hard and, one and for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I can see it, it's something that you're struggling with. And, and we've all probably been in that place before, this sort of fear yeah. of being manipulated. Um, you know, to find strength. And mani- manipulated in ways that are really his agenda, not mine. Kind yeah. of like we have different agendas. Yeah. So that's another thing, right? Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, um, to which I don't actually have the answer. Okay. Um, all I can tell you is that the resentment is not going to help in this situation. Obviously, right? The anger isn't going to help. Um, is there a bigger picture you can look at? The two of you can look at, right? That's what I've been thinking about. I mean, we—it's yeah. our home. It's our shared home. Right. Um, but he has a very clear. Uh, image of what, how that should be, op- how it should be run, yeah. and yeah. he doesn't doesn't want it. He wants complete control over that. If he runs for the board, sure. he'll be president. And of course, yeah, yeah. So it's um, you know this is uh, the other thing is that you know we can we have compassion for the person who is living from a place of delusion and confusion, yeah. Uh, well, I, that I can have. Okay. That's <laughs> that the place to start. No, what I mean, I see him. He has children. Sure. He's trying to raise them. Yeah. I, I try to look at what's good about him in terms of what yeah. I think, you know. Yeah. You know. That's a good place to start. Yeah. You know, and at least that makes it easier for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so work with that. Thanks. Uh, in the back. Yeah. Charlene. Uh, what came up for me uh, about forgiveness is that uh, it, it, it's possible to say I'm just going to forgive without having gone through the previous motions of, and I noticed it in meditation this morning, of oh, there's a quality about myself I don't like. Mm-hmm. 
and stopping and saying, there's a quality. And doing it thousands of times. So it becomes a friendship with the, the, the part that is right. evil, quote. And so that forgiveness comes from a place of um, having recognized over and over that those forces, which then possibly can lead me to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. In other words, I, I'm a little suspicious of I'm going to forgive uh, before I've made acquaintance with myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what it really came up this morning because there I was planning, uh, or even worse. And then I did that, oh, sh- Cheryl. Ugh. And then I went, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say yeah, no, thank out you. loud. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many of you were here when I, the last time I was here on Tuesday night, but I did a, and I'll do a little bit of it today, but this, you know, when we do loving kindness in the four stages, right? Loving kindness for ourselves, loving kindness for a dear friend, loving kindness for the neutral person, loving kindness for the difficult person, all of those people are within us, <laughs> you know? So can we do it? for all of those parts of ourselves that we don't like, for all the parts of ourselves that we are not so sure of, etc. You know, that's loving kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what's your name again? Tom. Tom, hold on. Thanks, John. I um, appreciate it this morning. I, um, I was just... You hear stories like you were talking about the... Amish father who sends it and um, it choked you up it choked me up it was a touching story and um, you know the letter just arrives in the mail but that's not the entire thing there's actually a whole story that goes through with the the family the family and um, and that guy getting to that place I, I think of Nelson Mandela and you just think oh he was thrown in jail and then he got along with everyone and he was you know, it all worked out well in the end. And it's really not quite that simple. And, you know, so I hold these, I think I need to remember that because I tend to hold these things up and say, this is who I want to be. Right. So I had an interesting experience last week. I, um, <laughs> a guy called me up on the phone at work and um, he was just, he was in a difficult spot and he was having trouble reaching someone that I work with. And I said, Oh, no big deal. I'll give you his email address. And he goes, oh, he uses email? I didn't even know he spoke English. And this just drove me crazy, this racist stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, sorry, you've got to call someone else. And I hung up. <laughs> so he calls back to speak to the boss of the person who had hung up on him. Well, I own the company, so that wasn't really getting him anywhere. Um, well, one of my associates handled it, and she handled it very well. So two days later, I see this gentleman with mobility issues making his way to my office and it was an icy day and it was miserable and I can just see he's struggling and I knew it was him and I went up to him and I just said can I help you with your bag I carried his bag the two blocks to my office and I just left it I didn't say a word to the guy you know and um, I didn't apologize because I just helped him with his bag and um, 
I really want to be more like that person who helped the person with his bag than the person who got upset mm. and hung up the phone. And I'm not sure that either of those were entirely skillful, but they were, you know, um, there's a lot of messiness in getting to be, you know, yeah. more skilled. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just need to remember that, that even exactly. Nelson Mandela was difficult for him, even that Amish father, there's a whole process that they yeah. went through. We see the end result and we just think, oh, that's what I, you know, I want to be, yeah. you know, saint-like. And that's just... Yeah. Thank you for that. It's really important, you know, that it's, this is not easy. And it is a process. And, you know, making, as, as Cheryl said, you know, just, and as you just illustrated, you know, those, both of those people are there in you. <laughs> yeah? And you know the one that you want to, you know, uh, that, that you like more. <laughs> but there's that line that divides it, as Solzhenitsyn says, right? And, and it's like, it's there. You, you know, you can't, it goes right through the heart. <laughs> and just recognizing that is huge. Really huge. You know, without giving yourself a hard time about it. Yeah? Um, and just, you know, in a way, you're... you're uh, stating it in front of all of us, right? We're sort of witness to what you just did, what you just expressed. And in that, there's truth and reconciliation in a sense right there, right? I mean, it, on one level. So um, give yourself credit for that. You know, and, and really, that in itself is an act of loving friendliness and kindness towards <laughs> yourself, you know, just recognizing that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Hold on one sec. What's what's your name? Michael. Michael. If it's on. Closer. Yeah, it's, on. it's on. Okay. Yeah. Michael. Uh, how we succumb to judgment in terms of associating forgiveness with weakness, especially in this area. Mm-hmm. Can you be can you be clearer on that? Associating. Fear, uh, forgiveness with weakness. Right. Our peers, they, they judge us. Right. That's a barrier, I think. Judgment is. Yes. Judgment of weakness associated with forgiving something that you've been wronged on. Have you had an, an experience that you, that you can relate it to? I'm sure I probably had a lot of experiences. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay, uh, someone telling you, well, you have to have that connection but why don't you respect yourself and defend yourself against that wrong? Mm. I'm sure many of us have had that experience. Right. As I was saying to Susan, you know, it's... um, It's not about rolling over and playing dead, right? Having a compassionate heart, having a forgiving heart is a sign of strength, although, and and it it brings strength to us, right? Um, As we deepen our practice, as our practice grows within us, and we see through that boundary of self and other, um, 
the person, you know, we're forgiving another and we're forgiving ourselves at the same time. The, the, um, and our strength, the strength that comes, you know, through this being as a result of being present and fully accepting of that fallibility and fully accepting of all the causes and conditions that went into that fallibility, that created that fallibility, which are present in all of us, um, creates the courage to, to, to be with that, that other person who's saying, oh, you're just, you know, you're just giving up. You're not showing respect. I mean, I think that the respect arises through that. Um, strength arises as a result of that. It's not like you're doing anything. Um, but in the process, it happens. Does that make sense? So that, you know, it's not, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll practice forgiveness and we're going to do it in a minute. And we're going to do a whole meditation on forgiveness. Um, and that's a practice to help us see what's going on and help us, you know, uh, work with that. But in the living, you know, as we live and as we act, um, we, if we act from selflessness, if we act from the, for now, from the perspective, with the perspective of that there's no self and other, strength will arise through that. And forgiveness won't be seen as a weakness, but will be seen as a strength and will be received as a strength. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, you know, may not want to change the circumstance or may need to change the circumstances as in Susan's case. You know. There may be a circumstance that needs to be changed. But if you change that circumstance, you can change that circumstance from a place of strength and forgiveness and compassion. Whereas if you try to change the circumstance from a place of resentment, <laughs> and anger, it's not going to be, it's not going to happen. Or you'll suffer in the making of it happen, let's put it that way, at the very least. Is that helpful? That yeah. That helps. Hopefully anybody. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I just, uh, I appreciated what you said about uh, forgiving the person and not the act. Because I think, similar to what Tom was saying, I had this idea for a long time of this ideal where um, I didn't have to be right if I'm going to forgive. And I think that for me, there's been this balance of not clinging to the stories of being right, but allowing myself to be right. Because I, um, it's very hard, it's been hard for me to forgive um, if I can't um, accept the reality of what happened. And so to have some ideal of uh, not being right is, uh, it just doesn't feel honest to me. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Lanny's, Lanny's right behind you. <laughs> just somewhat related to that, I, first of all, I really appreciate what you've shared a lot, John. Um, what you were saying about Desmond Tutu, what he said about how um, it's really, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but about being, um, you know, having the, honestly. 
the debt, well, sort of related to the honesty, but also the depth of the of the reconciliation and forgiveness and not like sort of being superficial, but, you know, and the honesty definitely is a big part of that. I just really appreciated that a lot. And um, I think that's somewhat related to this whole thing about safety or not or uh, fear and all of that stuff because um, in order to be really, to really forgive someone in my experience, and I'm actually, there's a friend I've had a little bit of a, of a misunderstanding with recently that this, you know, relates to. I think that it makes, uh, I would feel safer if I'm, the more honest I am and the more aware I am of what's really happening, mm. to kind of open to the real circumstances. And the, you know, the more, more I can really communicate that, to, at least with myself, and be aware of it, you know, come from that place. Yeah. Thanks. One more time from Susan. And then we're going to, then we're actually going to practice. <laughs> Related to uh, what Lonnie is saying, um, certainly I think we, many of us have been raised with that phrase, forgive and forget. Right. And I think that's part of the problem because forgetting is not necessarily what we want to achieve because certain people are dangerous to us. They have bad intentions to hurt us in some very fundamental way and forgetting that they did it once, then they we're opening ourselves to them doing it again. So forgetting is not is part of the answer and I know that part. It's just yeah. the next part that I haven't figured out yet. Yeah. There is the famous Buddhist story about uh, I, 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 it's one that I actually don't like. Um, about being sawn, you know, having your limbs sawn off, right? I mean, it's kind of a gruesome uh, image, but in the process of having all your limbs sawed off, basically, by the, quote, enemy, can you still have compassion? (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's really living life from a very different place. Um, And... uh, this is a place to start. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we have to be gentle with ourselves you know, and recognize that we're, you know, we touch what we can touch now. You know, we're, we're all in different places as we're here. Yeah? And we do the best we can without giving ourselves a hard time for only going so far. Mm. So let's actually uh, close with a, a forgiveness practice. So coming back into your posture, into your seat or cushion, settling into the body, settling into the breath, really breathing from the heart center, and opening the heart to all aspects of yourself, all parts of yourself, those parts of yourself that you love, those parts of yourself that you're not so sure about, those parts of yourself that you really are not crazy about at all. Really embracing all of that. Allowing the heart to fill with loving kindness, loving friendliness, and extend throughout the body from head to toe. Treating yourself as your own best friend. 
And we'll start by forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves for any actions we have done which have harmed ourselves or others, knowingly or unknowingly. I forgive myself for any harm that I have done, knowingly or unknowingly, to myself or others. I forgive myself. I forgive myself for any harm I have done, knowingly or unknowingly, to myself or others. I forgive myself. And then inviting somebody into your awareness who's perhaps hurt you in some way and really see this person standing in front of you and offering him or her your forgiveness. I forgive you for any harm that you have done me knowingly or unknowingly. I offer you forgiveness. I forgive you for any harm you have done me knowingly or unknowingly. I forgive you. Really taking this person into your heart. You recognizing that this person may have been acting from a place of confusion, delusion, and opening the heart of compassion and loving kindness to this person. Take your time with this. If there's somebody else you'd like to work with, bring this person into the mind's eye. Feel his or her presence. I forgive you for any harm you have done me, knowingly or unknowingly. I forgive you. And now bringing to mind anyone to whom you may have caused harm, knowingly or unknowingly, and asking for their forgiveness. For any harm I have done you, knowingly or unknowingly, I ask for your forgiveness. For any harm I have done you, knowingly or unknowingly, I ask your forgiveness. For any harm that I have done you, knowingly or unknowingly, I ask for your forgiveness. So may the merit of our practice today be shared for the well-being of all without exception. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering free from fear and the causes of fear. May all beings be free, and may all beings find peace. Thank you all very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.